to episode 107 of Yins Are Good, the podcast that shares and celebrates all of the good stuff, the good news that's going on out there. I am your host, Tressa Glover. How are you? I hope that you and yours are doing well. And I also hope that you're finding some time to jot down a gratitude list every day or every other day, perhaps. Doesn't have to be very long. Just list those things or those people that you're grateful for each day. And I'd like to share today a few of the things that I'm feeling especially grateful for. Old friends, beautiful fall days, and that time in the morning when Hazel curls in to snuggle with me in that in-between time of waking up and actually getting out of bed and starting the day. Oh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, Hazel is our dog, our mini Australian shepherd, in case you're wondering. And welcome, if you are listening for the first time. And if you maybe would want to share your gratitude list, your list of things that you're especially grateful for, you know we want to hear them, we want to share them, we would love it. And also, you know, you might just help out a fellow listener, a fellow Yinzer. We never know how when we share our thoughts, our stories, we never know how that may help another person. And that's what we're here to do at Yins Are Good. We're here to help to lift each other up, to connect with each other. So if you want to, go ahead, email us at yinsaregood at gmail.com. And, you know, your list can be as anonymous as you'd like. And you can send any other uplifting stories or moments to us there as well. And what else will we be sharing on today's show? Well, I sat down with Gary Germany for a very important and unique conversation regarding domestic violence, specifically generational domestic violence and what can be done to stop it. Gary is a singer-songwriter and a clergyman who experienced domestic violence situations as a child and struggled with impulses to hurt others when he became an adult. And it was only after he made the decision to look into his past and to understand his behaviors and take responsibility for them that he began to change his life. He then wrote a book called Domestic Violence, The Fight of Your Life to share his story, to help others overcome the pattern of generational domestic violence. And also, his book helps all of us recognize what healthy relationships look like, all kinds of relationships. And as you'll hear, Gary is very candid and open about his past, and he shares the wisdom that he has gained regarding our behaviors in all of our different relationships and, you know, how we should strive to behave. And our conversation really has resonated with me and I'm grateful for it and for the opportunity I had to meet him and to sit down with him. And I'm looking forward to sharing our chat with you all in just a few moments. And then our In Case Yin's Missed It segment is back. The segment where we pull a 
good news headline from rather recent news, you know, in case you missed it the first time around. And by we, I do mean myself and Don DiGiulio. So that's coming up. But first, I have an announcement. Prepare your calendars, my yinzers. Monday, December 11th at 7 p.m., Our third annual live Christmas show is happening. We will be in downtown Pittsburgh in the Cultural District. I am so excited for this. There will be merriment. There will be carolers. There will be, well, some surprises. And we're going to have featured guests, of course. I cannot wait for you to find out who. That's going to be coming up later this week. So. Be sure to check in at our website, yinsaregood.com, or make sure you follow us on Instagram, on the Facebook, at yinsaregood, to get all of that info as we release it. There will be tickets on sale. It's going to be a blast. Monday, December 11th, starting at 7 p.m. But for now... Let's get on with this episode 107. Here comes some more good stuff. That's right. Test one, two, three. Let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's. Hey, let's make it happen, shall we? Where to begin? Tell us, please, a little bit about yourself. And, you know, your background as far as your connection to Pittsburgh. Well, first of all, thank you very much for allowing me to share this message of hope. It's what it really comes down to. As you know, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born on the north side. I'm going to say north side. Today it's North Shore, the uh, north side. You know, <laughs> then grew up um, in Homewood and then East Liberty as well. Man. And I'd... I'd went to school, um, graduated from Peabody High School, which is now the Obama School. Uh, But then I'm a singer, so I've been singing all of my life. You know, so I studied at Duquesne University as well in the opera workshop and and then Okay, wait, sorry, I'm pressing pause already. (laughs) Because (laughs) opera. Opera workshop. Oh my gosh, so is that your preferred style of singing opera? Do you sing different styles? Yes, I sing different styles, but it's amazing. I remember learning a song when I was 16, and I was called Tulo Sai, and it's an Italian song. And I still know it today, which is like, it's just like really embedded in me, you know? So it was a wonderful experience. What got you into opera? It was funny that you would ask. My teachers um, said that me singing R&B at the time, or pop and even gospel, they said it wasn't a challenge for me, you know, so therefore I learned a technique from the classical point of view. Yeah. And so that's how the opera started. That started when I was literally in the 10th grade because I went to a school here in Pittsburgh called the Centers for Musically Talented. And it was every Saturday. And then the year I graduated, that's when they came with their uh, creative arts and performing school, which was five days a week, so I missed that, you know, but just yeah. being able to uh, every Saturday just go and it opened up a, a whole new world for me. 
My, okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. I had to press pause on you to <laughs> learn more about that. Okay. So offer your detain. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I know we're going to talk about domestic violence, which is truly um, people can unlearn destructive behaviors. Hmm. Okay. But just like for me to be introduced to singing in Italian, and I did it, and I mean, and I can still do it today. It just stays with me. So healthy relationships and knowing how to be prepared for an emotional engagement, you know, because life comes at us pretty fast, you know. Yeah. But if we can be prepared to learn how to respond to a situation opposed to reacting. Reacting gets us in trouble. So that's one of the great things that I was able to illustrate in the book was uh, identifying. We all have triggers, you know, so understanding what happens to our body when we're in these situations and how dare us not receive, be aware, identify what our body is telling us. Yeah. You know? And so where, speaking of domestic violence, where, what is your connection with that? I first became aware of it. I was a young boy and it was, um, my parents were arguing. Now I'm going to say this because this is helpful for someone also. I didn't live with my biological father. So my stepfather was in the home. And he was a wonderful provider, really care. He really showed what it was like to take care of your family. Mm. But in this particular situation, there was an argument. And like I said, I was about eight or something. And so um, I was upstairs in my room and I hear this arguing. So I go downstairs and they're arguing. And so I'm afraid for my mother. So I literally grab a knife that I'm going to protect my mother. And so when they saw me, of course, that de-escalated the situation, you know. Now, to be fair, maybe they thought no one was, child was near that could hear it, you know. And um, that's how that happened. That's the first episode that I remember. All right. Now, to me, that wasn't physical, but that ended up becoming trauma to me. Mm -hmm. So here... I carried that with me and that was suppressed. But then years later, it was physical. And so that was a whole different situation. But not only can abuse be physical, it's emotional. Then it's, of course, it's the power and control that goes along with it, um, which is more than sad. You know, it's, it's to exhort your power over someone, you know, for your sake of yourself. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was my first episode. It's, it's, it's interesting because it was a Saturday afternoon and I'm listening to Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, I mean, just like having a really, really good time. Yeah. And then my parents started fighting, you know. Now, to be truthful about it, more than likely, it's my mother who did not know how to respond to a situation that she didn't thought she was being belittled or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because 
my mother grew up in a large family. And so there were seven boys and seven girls. My grandparents, my mother witnessed physical abuse, emotional abuse in her home. And so she would share with me, you know, the fighting and the argument that, that took place. And so here she really was trying to create a space, a living environment where we learned how to handle ourselves better. But okay, now we see that my mother saw this, witnessed this through her parents, many of my grandparents, because the story is that um, my grandfather would be physically abusive to my grandmother until my, my grandmother stood up one time, and then that never happened again. Thank God for that part you know, yeah. but my mother witnessed this. So then the things that I saw within my home, you know, and then you say to yourself when you see this, that you'll never be like this. You will never do anything to hurt, harm someone. Mm -hmm. uh, but lo and behold, years and years and years later, I was the one who was aggressive and physically hit the woman in my life. It was my wife. And um, when I think about the whole situation, it's like the beauty of a lifetime came to me in my lifetime when I saw you as my bride. It's like the heavens opened up, the earth stood still when I heard you say, I do, to me. So it's like, wow. You know, like, what a moment. Mm -hmm. But somehow, now, in the moment, I forgot all about that. Mm -hmm. You know, now I can't stand you. You know, I mm -hmm. wish I lived by myself. You're a bee. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's like, where where was my love? Mm -hmm. You know, where was my endurance? What, what happened to it? Because I get so caught up in trying to express myself, you know, um, because things did not appear to work out maybe the ways that I thought it should have, you know, yeah. and I was disappointing. What I, what I mean by that is that we're gonna use a married situation, but you don't have to be married for this to happen. A woman opens up her heart to this man and she really believes that he is gonna provide for her, you know, and care for her, meaning he's gonna to add to her life is what I'm saying. And then you put this trust in this person, and then this is the person that ends up disappointing you. And there's a hurt, which is unbelievable, that can go along with that situation, you know, and so vice versa. But I'm, today, I want to talk about accountability for men. We can do better and have to. Because not only does it affect our household, let alone if you have children in the, in the household. You know, statistically mm -hmm. speaking, it says that 65% of what we learn is through visual concept. So now the question is, what are we teaching? What are we modeling? What are they seeing around us? Forget what I'm saying. What, what did they see? Mm -hmm. And if the visual concept of learning is that impactful, then we need to be mindful of that. 
Mm -hmm. That idea of it's what we do, not what we say. It's that the power of seeing events happen in front of you and unfold in front of you. Absolutely. And that speaks, that's truth. Yeah. I want to add this one thing, which was important as far as me being the younger version of me. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, the event had happened when I saw the physical fighting. And okay, after a while, it's like, okay, again, it's traumatized at that point. And you're thinking, okay, well, well, it's, it's okay. Your dad and I got in a fight and it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. You know, and you're young and you kind of take that, what you hear, but yet nobody comes to me and said, came to me and said, are you okay? I mean, are you really okay? Or what are your thoughts? It's just yeah. dismissed. It's like put underneath the rug where, you know, I'm telling you, you're going to be okay. And that's how it is, you know, and I don't know when it's going to happen again. It, it happened out of nowhere. So I think we have to be, it's not that I think, I know mm-hmm. that we have to be so aware again of what we do mm-hmm. and learn how to combat the situation when it arises again, meaning a disagreement, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And if I listen to my body, it's like people, this is why it's so important. We, Even though we're talking about domestic violence, and I'm saying it's really about healthy relationships, mm-hmm. because um, I need to know how to disagree with someone, even in the work field, okay? And no, it's okay, we don't see eye to eye. But can we focus on what the task is? Can we work on getting the project completed the way we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so now take that same mentality in the house, okay? We're having a disagreement about something, okay? But can we stay focused on what we are working towards accomplishing? And it's like, okay, we disagree with that. Fine, Okay. Actually, now can we set another time to come back and talk about this? Mm-hmm. You know, is there a better solution to get to where we want to be? And it's it's crazy because the mentality is like a, a, a man, you know, I have the last word and this is what we're going to do. And I'm telling you, this is what you're going to do. Okay. It's kind of crazy because what you want to do, really, she may have had the better option <laughs> to help get us through the, through the situation, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. y- your pride is, is in the way, you know, and um, it's, it's terrible. What started your journey to where you are now? Okay. Of, I mean, we have the book here, Domestic Violence, The Fight of Your Life, all of these events that you're doing. You know, how did you come to be, for example, sitting here now okay. with me on this side of it? Well, I'll, I'll share this episode that happened. And this is how this was kind of the turning point, mm-hmm. you know, of me seeing that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're in denial, you, you're only going to make it worse. I mean, a person has to be courageous enough to say, yes, it's me. I have a problem. You know, I can't blame it on my mother and my father. I can't blame it on my family. Right now, I'm the one with the problem. And um, it was a, it was like a, a cold winter evening. And I came home and I arrived home before she did. And, you know, she was in such a great mood, you know, I remember. And she was excited. She was telling me about her day, you know. And um, 
Then she said the unthinkable to me. She said that this co-worker was in a bind and uh, she gave him some money. And uh, I just, what? You know, I mean, like, you just did this, you know, without asking them. And how are you going to give our money away like that? Now, notice, this is like power and control that I'm talking about right now. Yeah. And so, uh, but what was worse was I had my insecurities. I was insecure about this guy. How we perceive ourselves is so important. But to me, he kind of had a little swagger about himself. He was cool. He was hip. This is how I saw him. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, before I knew it, you know, with my anger, I hit her. And when I hit her, just the look in her face, just kind of frozen, like when we see a deer hit, hit the uh, high beam lights and are just kind of frozen. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of frozen. And then at the same time, I was like in disbelief. It's like, oh, I can't believe what I just did. And now I can't undo it. Yeah. You know, um, but it came down to me being insecure about myself. There's an old saying, I don't know if you've heard this or not. The old saying was two women are talking, you know, and say, child, did you, did you, did you hear about that? I mean, that man, he hit his wife. I mean, he mad at the world and he take it out on her mm. and said, but true, that happens too many times. Hmm. You know, here yeah. this person that we're supposed to love and care for, uh, we take it on them. I, I, I want to read something and I want to yes, get it right. This is actually a quote from uh, the book. This is actually a quote taken uh, from the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not boast. It is not puffed up. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. It is not quick-tempered. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So now the question is, what does love look like in our lives. If I say that I love you, all right, am I patient? Am I not jealous? Do I not walk around vain? Do I not walk around power and control? If I say I love you, you know, I, I got this little thing I, I, I love to do. You know, it's like open up the car door. We can have an argument. But that doesn't stop me from walking around the car and opening up the car door for you. Hmm. That should never change. But so sadly, people get in an argument, you know, and all of a sudden, I don't want nothing to do with you because we have a disagreement. And now I forget all the things. But again, this is, comes from training. Hmm. OK. Um, thank God for the people that put their lives in jeopardy to save us, firefighters, police officers, you know, 
And they, they take this training so that they can deal with the very worst situation so that they can respond correctly because sometimes it's minutes or seconds, mm -hmm. okay? And they're able to do that. What about me training myself or getting information here that I can be aware of all the signals my body sends me, you know, when, when you're upset, okay? Some people stomach hurts, you get a headache, some people sweat, their hands a little nervous, mm -hmm. right? How dare we ignore those signs that our body is telling us, you know, that there is danger, danger, right, you know? Right. <laughs> so don't, don't go there and, and allow yourself space and time to be able to respond opposed to reacting, you know? Just thinking about that, the truth of it, your body is, li is literally saying to you, like, exactly, here are the warning signs. And how we do, we need to be better in tune with that. And there was something too, I just, I feel like I need to comment on when you were reading Love is Patient. For, I think folks, there are some folks who might be very familiar with that or have heard it in one way or another, or maybe part of it. Yes. But it really was something, it really resonated with me as you read it in this context. It was almost like I hadn't really heard it before. Yeah. That was really powerful. Yeah. And this, well, part of, I'm going to say too, that you are a pastor. Yes. A clergyman. So there's this element of it too. And so... I mean, I'd love to hear also about as your journey, and especially as a clergyman, and sharing this story, your story, especially in terms of being a clergyman too, the importance of that for you, how you became this advocate for getting awareness out there about domestic violence, and how do we, you know, not just the awareness of it, but how do we stop? Yeah. How do we, you know, what can we do? I think that once I realized without a doubt that I had a problem and that it needed to change, and the only person that could change it was me, I had to take accountability of this. And it's interesting because um, I accepted the invitation of Christ in my life when I was 14, okay? These episodes that I shared with you happened uh, 29, 30, 31. And so with that being the case, I accepted my call to share God's word publicly, that everywhere I go, I would share God's word. So here I'm sharing God's word. I was never in a situation where it would evoke anything like that. So now I'm a fish out of water, meaning when I realize of my insecurities, when I realize the, the, the stress of providing for my family and everything, and when I really realize that, hey, I'm the jealous one here. Now, back to the clergy part. So now, you know, I'm, I'm in a different world, and now I'm trying to handle it. All of my disappointments, all of my setbacks, I'm trying to do this. And of course, it exploded at home. So the word of God says that correction must first take place 
in the household of faith. So therefore, me being a clergy person, I have to accept accountability that I was wrong. Not only was I wrong, now I've decided that now I can share wisdom. I can share strategies with people who have struggled in the same situation that I have found myself in. You know, whether it's when you identify that, okay, this happened uh, through generations in my household, meaning my grandparents, my parents, and then myself, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, now how do I take this and package it so someone can realize, number one, they're not alone, you know, uh, that there are ways to, they say that there's steps to change, you know, first is identifying, number one, that I have a problem. Okay. And the other mechanism is, okay, now I'm kind of contemplating because at first, you know, I'm in total denial. No, I don't have a problem. No, it's not me. It's not me. No, you, you uh, uh, this is how we fix it. You know, you shouldn't have made me mad, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, so now mm -hmm. we're taking, you know, we're minimizing it and taking the accountability off ourselves. Okay. But now when we realize, okay, wait a second. So what? Someone says something I didn't like. All right. I still am control over my hands. I'm still in control over my tongue, the words that I speak. I'm not speaking words of life now. I'm not speaking words that elevate and pick up and make someone, you know, uh, want to do more. Now I'm saying words that tear down. Now I'm saying words that cut. Now, now I'm hitting you with my words. Now I'm creating a terroristic environment. All of this happens in a home, you know, mm -hmm. and we need to be aware of this. But like I was saying, when I started writing the book and years ago, I wrote a song called Stop Domestic Violence. OK, and I think I was trying to make peace with myself and trying to say, OK, well, it happens. But notice I didn't say that I was the one that participated in it. Yeah. OK, so now during a just before the pandemic, I'm in Arizona and I wake up and at the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit says, now is the time to write and share this message. And it wasn't singing the message of a song. It was I put it together a collection of events that happened in my life. And this is what we need to share. So I'm saying, Lord, wait a minute. You want me to share the worst part of my life. This is what you want me to write about. And it's like, yes, because this will help people. Mm. So when I look back at my experience, I, I can I can have a smile on my face even talking about this experience. OK, this because for 30 years, I literally carried about 28 years. I carried the guilt of what I did. Carried it. Mm -hmm. And so God began to heal me when I began to really look at what my life was and I began to let it go. And as I really began to let it go and the, the, the very secret parts that I kind of held close that nobody knew about, you know, was touched by God's spirit. And I began to have so much peace. There was no longer a struggle or a conflict when I look back at those days, because when I look back, 
I'm like, I can't, what? That, I did that? Mm-hmm. I was that crazy man mm-hmm. doing all of that there? But yes, I was, you know? So now it's like, okay, take this message and it's going to help people. And so I knew that it was God speaking to my heart. And I knew I had to write this book. So I began to write and I couldn't stop. You know, now I was fear only in the sense that I hadn't written a book before. But as far as the message goes, it's like I'm writing this and little things begin to happen as I was writing. You know, I'm out in a restaurant, restaurant full of people. And the Holy Spirit says, look around you. Everybody in here can relate one way or another to what you're about to share. And I was like, wow. Mm. You know, so then I kind of saw it. And then when I would begin to just talk to people about it, they begin to share their stories with me. And they just begin to open up and it begin to be moments that of sharing that healing was taking place. And so this is the goal now. The goal is to get in front of many people as I can, audience, whether thank you for the podcast, you know, or personally being out in front of people, or I'm getting ready to release a, 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 a new song. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. The title of the song, though, is right to the point. You need to stop <laughs> domestic violence. Yes. <laughs> Let's say we know what it is. We know exactly what the song is going to be about. Yes. And that's coming out soon. It'll yes, be, yes, yes. You know, when talking about, and we talk about it a lot on this show, the mission of the show really is so much about this, but sharing stories, because that is the way, that is how we connect with each other. That's how we find out that we're more alike than we are different. That's how we find out, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. And, and what you're able to do for folks, as you're saying, who, because you have opened up yourself in such a way and shared, like you're saying, the, the darkest times for you, right? In these, these moments, but because you did that in one way or another, how that inspires other people to feel like they can share with you. I'm curious about the kind of feedback that you've gotten or stories, I should say. Women have said to me how courageous that this act is. And I, I don't look at it that way. I just look at it as I, I know that I had to answer God's call, not even a request, okay? The direct, the direct instructions mm-hmm. was to write this book. But speaking of men, though, when men hear it, they relate. Some a little more vocal than others, but they relate. And... Um, I'm not asking any man to, you know, like in conversation, you know, I did that, I did that. No, 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 no. The point is, okay, if you're currently doing these things, you can turn this around, you know, because it's a learnt behavior, but it's destructive. You know, it, um, it'll tear everything in your path. It can create um, the devastating effect that it has on children, okay? Uh, your household can begin to crumble. Uh, trust is broken. Uh, no one feels safe. It's, it's like 
illustration when when the, the father comes home, the father figure comes home, and because of his pattern, and the children pick up on it, you know, easily they say, oh, you know what, dad's upset again. He's man, wow, it's. I hope it don't. It's going to happen again. Okay, how sad that now this has become normal, mm. and they can't anticipate what's going to happen. You know, and then they feel unsafe. Who's supposed to protect them? Mm. You know, so uh, I thank God that people relate to it, but more so that they realize that it's all about healthy relationships. What do I need to do to come up with a strategy to begin to be have healthy relationships and then maintain them, sustain them? This mm -hmm. is what we want because I, I, I guarantee you when we do this, all of our relationships become enhanced. You know, we're able mm -hmm. to enjoy one another's company. So why not us dare to love in regards to what I said, you know, as love mm -hmm. is not jealous, it's patience, it's not envious, you know, it doesn't seek its own. But to truly love someone, it's like loving someone with no hidden agenda. What if I could create yes. an environment with mm -hmm. you that there's trust there also? It doesn't mean that I'm not flawless and it doesn't mean that you're not flawless. Okay, but we grow and we love and we respect, and therefore we do enhance each other's life. Yes. This is the goal. Yeah, and it does. It's starting with self-awareness, accountability, because you have to start with that. Yes. It reminded me when, when you said, do you believe or do you dare, I think is what yes, you said, but yes. it reminded me of because you have a nonprofit also that's Do You Believe? Yes. Is everything we've been talking about, how does that connect in with what you're doing with that nonprofit? It's interesting, even the, the name of the company itself came straight from God opening up my mind. It's like, Lord, what could I call this company that truly represents me? And so it was like, do you believe? <laughs> so <laughs> now my thing is that no matter where you see your life at, do you believe that with work, it can get better? Meaning I'm not just praying, God, God, help me. I have a responsibility. So it's called, do you believe? And so I, uh, once again, I look forward to sharing this message of hope other messages of hope, you know, whether it's spoken word or song or, you know, whatever the case may be. But if we would just believe, believe that it's possible. So. And hope, I mean, and it's, I know that is integral to your mission. You've said it a few times already in our conversation, but what that can do, what hope. Yes. Because how many, and again, it's in how many different ways when you're talking about how this is for all relationships and, yes. and self-awareness and starting with accountability and let's get to the why I did that thing that way. Yes. And but that idea also, as you're saying, of just the next step, just the next time, just the next day. 
and building yes it in that it, incrementally that's actually one of the steps of changing your mind that the sequence of of changing your your life patterns is doing this correctly the first time okay and take that as a win you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying mm -hmm. i didn't argue with her when i knew i, I was wanted to or i would have okay and then build on that you know and then yeah. you can begin to see a pattern of success and that's what we want you know we no one because sad enough in most cases this is not an absolute so but in most cases the victimizer once their actions have completed what they've done this havoc that they've just did they wish they had other tools that they could have used at the moment. Hmm. You know, they wish they could have done something. No one wants to be that person that no one wants to be around because of your explosive behavior, you know, whether it's done in publicly or is done in secret. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants that. And I believe that that person also doesn't want that either. But again, let's identify it to take a long look and look down my family tree because it's interesting. I said that I didn't grow up with my biological father, okay? Mm -hmm. But he was actually an abusive person. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, where did this come from? And so now that I understand that this is there, I need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. This conversation is just, it, it's, it's been so powerful in, in so many different ways as it's kind of, settling in on me to say it that way and if you could go back to that younger version of yourself that 30 year old 29 year old what would you say to him listen when people are sharing true wisdom and knowledge with you that it will make your life better you may have to make some adjustments but be open to make the adjustments. That is what I would say. And do it now. Don't put it off. Do it now. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's obviously, I'm telling you, but it's so important. And to the person right now that may be experiencing um, this trauma in their life, no matter how hopeless it might seem at the moment, we thank God that tomorrow can be a better day. You know, and be courageous enough to know that it's not you. You're not the one that's creating this. A man putting his hands on a woman in his life is unacceptable. Even teenagers, that do this also, unfortunately, in this day and age that we live in. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying there is there is no, no excuse that justifies that. And not just putting your hands on the person in your life, but don't be mean. Mm -hmm. Don't be mean. Don't hit her with your words. It's just, it's really, this has been a real pleasure. I'm thankful. Thank you for the opportunity.
Hi, Don. Hi, Tressa. <laughs> Welcome to In Case Ian's Missed It. In Case Ian's Missed It. Now, I do I want to say right off the bat here that you and I mm -hmm. are recording this in not a usual spot. Not our usual <laughs> spot, no. <laughs> we um, are at a beach. We might hear the, the waves crashing in the background. Yes, or the seagulls, seagulls. along with the typewriter clacking. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, but we are. Yeah. We're somewhere, a little getaway somewhere on the East Coast, we mm -hmm. will say. And That's gosh, it feels nice, right? Yeah. So. It's lovely. This article that we are pulling, it is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, mm -hmm. uh, written by Mary Ann Thomas. Okay. And Zelianople woman with son with rare disease adds thousands of donors to cell transplant list. Mm. For a local mother, 6,000 isn't a big enough number. Missy Ramirez of Zelianople sets up booths to draw kayakers, students, medical workers, and sports fans at festivals, fairs, college campuses, hospitals, and more. Literally where there are any people, said Ramirez. She's on a mission to sign up stem cell donors for Be The Match, part of the National Marrow Donor Program. Stem cell transplants from donors like those she enlists help save the lives of people with blood cancers such as leukemia and lymphoma, sickle cell disease, genetic disorders, and other life-threatening diseases. Hmm. I'm going to go on. We won't be sharing the whole article. This is Tressa talking now, not the article. Um, <laughs> but Ramirez is a psychologist for the Pine Richland School District, and she has signed up more than 6,000 donors at 200 events in the last two years. She is out there gunning for her son, Jax Ramirez, eight, yeah. who has an extremely rare genetic syndrome called IPEX. Extremely rare. We're talking one in 1.6 million people, yeah. by the way. Mm -hmm. And as Dr. He Jin Chong says, and she is treating Jax, she says, being a part of Be The Match truly saves lives. Mm -hmm. And for Jax, he has an ethnically diverse background, which makes it a little tougher. He is French, German, Hispanic, Brazilian, and black. However, a potential donor could be found in just about anyone mm -hmm. because many people have diverse ethnic backgrounds unknown to them. Right. So the campaign specific to Jax is aptly named Be The Match for, for Jax. They have dozens of volunteers. So, listeners, I'll tell you right now, you can find Be The Match for Jax on Instagram, on Facebook. If you look in our show notes, we're going to have info there where you can get some more information. But it's just, again, it's so incredible what the family is going through. And, of course, you know, what Missy started to help her son, but how it has expanded to help so many people. And she's really so trying to help so many people. Yeah. And it's because um, I also read the article. This is Don here talking for Don, not the article. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's easier than you might think. It's really just like giving blood, essentially. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of people are, are scared from the idea of, oh, uh, donating bone marrow. But they, there was a, a statistic that I'm not remembering right now that it's very few people are actually asked to actually donate the bone marrow mm -hmm. and it's more just like just giving blood and they pay all your expenses if you're chosen as a donor so mm -hmm. it's really unobtrusive and it's a nice thing to sign up for and I think everybody should think about that because you never know who you might be able to help yeah in ways that you didn't think you'd mm -hmm. be able to help a way that you wouldn't even know yeah. and it does say in the article that they are looking for people between 18 and 40 
-hmm. But again, you can find out more info um, as, as you look them up in general. Yeah. But it is, it's one of those ways. Talk about connecting people mm -hmm. and con getting connected with strangers. Yeah. And, but of literally a life-saving connection mm -hmm. if, uh, if you're for, able to do it. For like an hour of your time. Yeah, right? You know? Huh. I like this, Don. I do too, Tressa. Yeah. Yeah. So Be The Match for Jax in particular. Yep. You can also check out Be The Match. Mm-hmm. Get on it, get on the National Registry, and uh, see how you yeah. can help. Yeah, in case Ian's missed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Don. Thank you, Tressie. <laughs> and on that note, we will be bringing this episode, episode 107, to a close. Thank you again so much for being here for listening in, for continuing to be part of and to grow this Yins Are Good community. Do email me here if you want to share something. You send that email to yinsaregood at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Gary Germany, for the powerful conversation and for the work that you're doing. Listeners, please do be sure to check out our show notes for all the info regarding the work that Gary is doing. We also have info there for Be The Match for Jax, if you'd like to follow up with that as well. And I wish you a happy and healthy week ahead. Again, many thanks for being here. And until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thanks to Sharon Leotis, Joseph Onesta, Don DiGiulio, and as always for our most fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.